What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Detroit Lions, and it's a good one. I am very excited to go over this team. Jameer Gibbs is very interesting. I think you may or may not be surprised to hear something I have to say about Jameer Gibbs. There's a lot of potential here. And also talk about, you know, some of the other pieces they have. Mainly Amon Ross St. Brown. Those are going to be the two guys you're mainly focusing on. But also, how is Jared Goff expected to perform this year? What am I expecting out of the team? There's a lot of things to get into, so let's do so. The Detroit Lions, look at their offensive line. It's relatively the same. They've got one of the better offensive lines in the league. They've got a pretty good run blocking uh offensive line obviously they were pretty good running the ball last year i mean decent decent running the ball last year swift was great behind their line jamal williams was never super efficient but he got a lot of goal line work so also got to add context that's part of the reason he wasn't super efficient but they wanted to find a running back that was going to be max explosive And that's why they drafted Jameer Gibbs. And they let go of Swift probably just because of his injury history. And he's coming up on needing a second contract soon anyways. So, And they knew they weren't going to re-sign him. So they figured, hey, let's get what we can for him now. So when we look at the offensive line, relatively the same. Now, getting into the skill positions, which already kind of started. Obviously, they lost DeAndre Swift. They traded him to the Eagles. They lost Jamal Williams. Both of their running backs are gone. So it's going to be a completely new running back room. They added Jameer Gibbs at 12 overall, not what any of us were expecting. And we heard rumors, some whispers, that there were some teams that had Jameer Gibbs higher on their board than Bijan Robinson. Detroit is probably one of those teams because they said that they would have taken him at six if they couldn't have traded back. I don't know if that's actually true or if they're just saying that to instill confidence in him. But that is, I mean, first off, that's ridiculous. Second off, um it shows you what they're planning on doing because if they would have jameer gibbs which this is honestly this is a slightly dangerous argument but i I know it's it's accurate but the reason i say it's dangerous i'll explain in a second but if they had jameer gibbs ranked over Bijan robinson you know that means that they plan on using jameer gibbs as a receiving back yes Bijan is a good receiver but jameer gibbs is looked at probably as a better receiver than Bijan Robinson is. And he's also probably a little bit more explosive. He's a little faster, a little quicker. So if they had Jameer Gibbs on their board above Bijan, that's probably indicating, hey, we plan on using him like a receiving running back. And the reason I say it might be an, a dangerous argument is because I said the exact same thing for Clyde Edwards Hilaire when the Chiefs drafted Clyde over. Uh, over Jonathan Taylor but there's a difference here is and the difference is that Dan Campbell has history with receiving running backs dating back as just two years ago and actually well last year too obviously they used Swift 
you know, Dan Campbell has used Swift for the past two years as a receiving running back very effectively, very well. So that's that's the difference, right? Because we've actually seen it. We've already seen him been doing it. Andy Reid, yeah, they've thrown to the running backs, but they've never really used a running back as a receiver to what we were projecting for Clyde. What I'm going to be projecting for Jameer Gibbs is basically what they did with Swift, just probably a little bit more because of health and stuff. But we'll get into all that. So they added DeAndre Swift. They added Jamal Williams. Or I'm sorry, they lost those two. They added Jameer Gibbs. They added David Montgomery. They're paying David Montgomery $18 million a year over three years. That's a pretty cheap, pretty good contract for them to probably have a you know red zone pile running back, the one that they're going to put at the goal line and just pound in. $6 million a year. That's pretty decent, decent cost. They lost wide receiver Jamison Williams for the first six games due to gambling. They added wide receiver Marvin Jones. They added tight end Sam Laporta. He's a receiving tight end. He's a better receiver than Michael Mayer. They also drafted him above Michael Mayer. So it's showing you, hey, if they're taking a tight end above Michael Mayer, who's looked at as an overall well-rounded tight end but a, a good blocker, if they're taking Laporta above him, and Laporta is not looked at as really much of a blocker, but he's a receiver, then obviously they're taking the tight end because they want the tight end to be a good receiver. So, which makes sense given their room, because they've got Amon Ross St. Brown, and then garbage at wide receiver until Jamison Williams gets back. And then they, now Laporta is going to be their number one tight end because they lost TJ Hawkinson. So they need weapons. They needed some receiving weapons. And then they also added quarterback Hennon Hooker. Some people are... I feel like people are split on him. I'm not really super excited for Hennon Hooker. Some people are like, oh, you know, Jared Goff is making a lot of money Jared for, for Jared Goff. Jared Goff is making a lot of money, and they're probably going to move off of him maybe as soon as next year. But if they have a really good effective offense, if they make the playoffs for the first time in how long with Jared Goff this year, which is what they're projected to do. They're projected, I think, in Vegas to win the division right now. If they make the playoffs with Jared Goff, they're not going to move off Jared Goff. And if you believe that this is a good team and you think that they have a chance to make the playoffs, then you should not be buying in to Hendon Hooker to the point of his price right now. Because right now he's going in the middle of the second, back of the second round in rookie super flex leagues. I understand it is a quarterback. I understand. However... He doesn't have the potential, the ceiling that a guy in a similar situation like Will Levis has because Will Levis has a much stronger arm. He's much more physical. He's more prototypical. He will probably run more than Hendon Hooker. So you're getting a lot bigger of a ceiling with Will Levis and you're also getting higher draft capital with Will Levis. Hendon Hooker, almost, you know, pretty similar draft capital, but way, uh, a way lower ceiling, and I just don't think he's worth the pick there. I really don't, and he he didn't really have ever at any point the hype that Will Levis had. So that's just comparing the two of them, but to me, Hendon Hooker is not really worth where he's being picked right now because I don't think he's going to be starting next year. He's also super old for a rookie. I think he's like 25 or 24 and going to be 25, so he's really not even that much younger than Jared Goff. So to me, if they do good, if they have a good offense, I don't see why Jared Goff would not be remaining as the starter into the future. Then we look at the defense. This is important, obviously, because we are doing projections, not just talking about the team, but we will be doing projections. So we have to know, did the defense get better, worse, whatnot. 
They lost cornerback Jeff Akuda, but I don't know if that's much of a loss. I mean, they gave him away for a fifth-round pick. He wasn't he wasn't cutting it for them. They added cornerback Cameron Sutton. They're paying him $33 million over three years. So, you know, decent cornerback will help them, but not anything crazy. Added a safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the troublemaker, one year, $7 million. Give some good depth, some good rotational play for them. They added linebacker Jack Campbell at 18 overall in the draft in the first round. He's going to be solid. He's a safe prospect. And then they added safety Brian Branch, 45th overall. So in the second round, pretty pretty decently high in the second round. A lot of people projected him to go in the first round, including myself. He's also a very safe defender who I think is you can bet on helping the defense. So they've got two guys. Now, we may debate that Jack Campbell was picked way too high for his position and for what he does. And I agree with that statement. However, for projections, we know that he does, he is going to make that defense better. Like he's definitely going to make the defense better. So Jack Campbell, Brian Branch, both of them are for sure going to help that defense, in my opinion, and first and second round picks. So we're projecting, or I'm projecting the defense to improve. They also added defensive tackle Broderick Martin in the third round at 96 overall. So he might help the D-line a little bit, but I don't put too much weight into the third round picks unless it's somebody I really know and really think is going to be really good. I'm I'm not too well-versed on Broderick Martin, but, you know, he might help a little bit. He's a third-round defensive tackle. Who knows what's going to happen? Then we look at the coaching. Thankfully, that's easy for me. The coaching is the same, so I don't have to worry about doing too much uh, patterns and trends and everything with, like, a new coach and looking at the coach's past history and stuff like that from different teams and then trying to relate the teams and I don't have to do any of that for this team so that makes the projections a little bit easier for me last year they had 1068 plays okay that was just above average they had a 55 45 split so 55 percent of the time they passed the ball in 2021 with Dan Campbell they had 1020 plays they passed the ball 58 percent of the time I believe that he prefers what he had last year given the fact that they had such offensive success last year. Because in 2021, their offense wasn't that great. Last year, they had one of the better offenses in the league, and he was running a little bit more, passing a little bit less. So I think that's probably what he likes. And if you're looking at the additions that they made to the room at running back, David Montgomery's probably an upgrade over Jamal Williams. And because of health, Jameer Gibbs is probably an upgrade over DeAndre Swift. So... When we factor that in, I do think he's going to be very close to what he was doing last year. I'm projecting less plays with more ball control because if he's going to be running the clock, if he's going to be, oh no, somebody just, I'm in a, I'm in a super flex rookie draft right now and somebody just took Chase Brown right before me. I just got sniped. That sucks. Um, Chase Brown is the running back that is sitting behind Joe Mixon right now, but anyways, that's somebody that you guys should be keeping an eye out for. But anyways, back into the projections. <laughs> so I'm projecting less plays for the team because they had 1,068 last year, 1,020 the year before. I'm projecting about 1,035 because if they're going to be running the ball heavily, which is what I'm expecting, I think they're actually going to run the ball even more this year than last year. And we're getting a trend to like, hey, we're becoming a more running team. They're going to be running the clock a lot more than passes because you throw a pass, it's incomplete, clock stops. But when you're running the ball, that clock is continuous. So I expect them with a better defense that is going to help them 
get off the field or get the offense on the field faster, a better defense that's going to bring the total overall over-unders in games throughout the season lower because the defense is better, so they're not projected to be in shootouts. If they're not in shootouts, the ball's not hitting the ground as much because they're not passing as much. The clock is not stopping as often. So all of these things are going to lead to probably less overall offensive plays for the team. And just generally speaking, teams that run the ball more have less offensive plays because obviously the game clock goes by faster. So with that said, I am projecting a 53.5% pass rate, 46.5% run rate. So in 2021, they passed the ball 58% of the time. Last year, 55% of the time. This year, I'm projecting it to continue to go down and be 53.5% of the time. I'm projecting higher efficiency for the pass game because their running game is going to set up the pass game very well. And hopefully, Jamison Williams helps that pass game also be more efficient when he gets back. Same touchdowns, maybe a little bit less because of all the shootouts they were in last year. So now, with all of that said, we can get to Jared Goff. So with the plays that I have projected, which are, you know, smack in the middle of what they had the past two years at 1,035 and a 53.5% pass rate, that's going to be 553 passes for Jared Goff. He's a very minimal rusher. You guys know I like to get out, get that out the way first. So I'm projecting 25 carries or runs for 75 yards and one scamper touchdown. I would expect similar overall efficiency for Jared Goff compared to last year with a slight, a slight bump. So his yards per attempt are up in my projections. They're going to be up from 7.6 to 7.85. Now that might sound like a lot because if you guys remember the yards per attempt average in the NFL is about 7.1. And last year he was well above the yards per attempt average. And I'm projecting him to get better. Well, you might be thinking, ah, no, he's not going to get better. It's Jared Goff. Like, he's not that much better than NFL average. But I need to remind you that with the Rams and a good run game and then some good weapons, he recorded 8 yards per attempt in one season and 8.4 yards per attempt in another season. So going to 7.85 this year, when this, this offense is not going to be that far off from what he had in the Rams in terms of overall talent, good offensive line, very good run game, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams opening up the top of the defense once he gets back healthy, and maybe Sam Laporta will do something, probably not too much as a rookie. That's that's a pretty good offense when you compare it to what he had with the Rams. It might not be as good as Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley, but it's it's not that far off, and Tyler Higby. It's not that far off, in my opinion. And Brandon Cooks, that was the other one. I know I was forgetting somebody. It was Brandon Cooks, wasn't it? So we have that increase in his yards per attempt. And like I said, better run game. Jamison's open up the defense. The offense won't be too different for defensive to, defenses to combat from last year. Defenses will come in with a better game plan. Otherwise, I would have projected him to be at probably 8 yards per attempt. But I'm not going to do that. I see Goff going downfield more often than he has in the past because Jamison Williams is going to be healthy for a, a lot longer this season than last year, hopefully, because you know we project health, and he's only missing six games not due to injury but due to gambling. So he's going to be on the field more. He's going to be playing in more games, help open up that, that deep ball for Jared Goff. So I see Jared Goff's completion percentage going down, but his yards per reception going up. Jameer Gibbs is more explosive after the catch, healthy, 
than Swift because Swift's always banged up. Swift is good after the catch, but Gibbs is probably going to be a little bit more, and they love Gibbs because he's explosive. That's something that Dan Campbell said. Last year, Jared Goff's completion percentage was 65.1. This year, I'm projecting 64. Last year, he had 11.6 yards per completion. This year, I'm projecting 12.3. So like I said, lower completion rate, higher yards per uh, completion. His touchdown rate, I'm expecting it to be the same because they're going to run more in the red zone, but the deep routes that he's going to be able to hit and the deep touchdowns at a higher clip that he's going to be able to get are going to kind of offset each other because I do think when they're in the red zone, they're less likely to pass. They're going to run it more, especially with these running backs. So I'm projecting the same 4.9% touchdown rate for Jared Goff compared to last year. So that is going to end up being 553 passes, 354 completions, 4,353 passing yards, and 27 passing touchdowns. So basically, 43.50 passing for 27 touchdowns. That's what I'm projecting for Jared Goff. Not much in the rushing department. That's 17.4 points per game. That is a great, great quarterback too. And that's where he's going to be going. If you're in a super flex league, if you're in a dynasty league and you're going all in, Jared Goff, that's what you want to do. Jared Goff is going to be a great person to buy, especially people are worried now that Hendon Hooker is going to take over. Man, go get Jared Goff. Go get him for a second round pick. If you're going all in on this year and you need a quarterback, a second quarterback to start, let's say you've got one good quarterback and not a good second one in a super flex dynasty league and you're going all in this year, go get Kirk Cousins, go get Jared Goff, go get Daniel Jones. Those are three great buys right now for for a team that's going all in especially maybe not Daniel Jones as much because somebody might be like, hey, he just got a new contract. I think he's going to be here for a while, so the price might be too high for you. But Goff and Cousins, both people think those guys are out the door soon, and they both are in great situations right now and been producing. Those are good buys. So see, it's not just projections. Got some pieces of advice in here too. Now let's get into Amon Ross St. Brown. Last year, he had 26.5% of the targets. It's a similar situation. Jameson coming back and Jameer Gibbs healthy 24-7 might lessen it a little bit, maybe slightly. But I have to give a disclaimer, okay? He is possibly, Amon Ross St. Brown is possibly going to be a very good trade target when Jamison Williams is set to return. So just remember this, when during the season, when Jamison Williams is going to be coming back, you're going into week seven, most trade deadlines and fantasy football leagues are around week 11, week 10. If Jamison Williams is coming back, Reach out to that Amon Ross St. Brown owner and see, test the water, see what you can get for him. Because some people are going to be thinking, oh, first round, first round wide receivers returning to the field. They're going to start throwing to him. Amon Ross St. Brown's going to get less targets. He's not going to be as good. Well, I don't believe in that at all. I think he may see a little tiny bit of target competition, or maybe not. It depends on how they use Jameson. But even if he does, he's going to be more efficient because the offense is going to be much better. They're going to have more scoring potential with a guy like that because speed is everything. Speed is everything. Now, pending schedule release, okay, because I'm telling you right now that, hey, Amon Ross St. Brown's going to be a good target, a good trade target once Jameson's coming back. However, we have to wait to see what the schedule looks like. Maybe he has like three horrible matchups for the fantasy playoffs, and then he's not going to be that good of a trade target. But pending the schedule release, just keep that in mind. I'm projecting for him the same target share. 
He is their clear go-to. He is their Michael Thomas. You have to remember Dan Campbell is coming from the New Orleans Saints. He's trying to build things very similar to the offense they had in New Orleans, if you think about it. And we're going to get to that, especially when you talk about the running backs. But <clears throat> tell me how Amon Ross St. Brown is not similar to Michael Thomas. He might be more explosive. He might be a little bit more athletic. But the way they use them, the roles they have in the offense, Amon Ross St. Brown is very similar to, to Michael Thomas in that way. So, and, and honestly, he's like on Michael Thomas without field issues. So for Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm keeping the target share at 26.5%. I'm giving him a 72% completion. It was 72.6 last year. I'm giving him 11.4 yards per reception. He had 11 last year, expecting the increase because of the run game, setting up the pass game, give him a little bit more space to work with. Also, Jamison Williams helping with his efficiency, giving him the same six touchdowns, same rushing stat line, 100 yards. And that's going to bring him to 147 targets, 106 receptions. So 106 receptions for Amonra St. Brown, 1,200 receiving yards and six touchdowns. That's six, 16 points per game. He's a fringe wide receiver one for me this year. Jamison Williams, let's talk about him. First off, super annoying to try to project him because of a six-game suspension. That is, when you when I have to project a team with players that are suspended, that is so annoying because you're basically projecting two teams. You have to project a team because it's a guy like Jamison Williams. If it was like a guy like, let's say, you know, Tyler Boyd or, and I'm not throwing shade on Tyler Boyd, I'll explain but a guy like Tyler Boyd or one of the wide receivers on the Giants that are all of them are like the exact same. If it's something like that, then you're not really projecting two teams. You have to project the player for a partial part of the season, which is still annoying. But overall, your projections and efficiency and stuff like that for the team can kind of just be the same. Now, for a guy like Jamison Williams, that speed element is so vital, so integral to the offense. It changes so many things. It raises the efficiency of all the players around him. That the fact that he's missing six games, that's going to be a completely different team. So I have to project two different Detroit Lions teams. I have to project the Detroit Lions with Jameson Williams, the Detroit Lions without Jameson Williams. Now, I don't want to overwhelm you guys and hella confuse you. So I'm not describing and explaining the, the way I did that. And that I have to, and then I'm just kind of giving you, you know, the overall average of of what I came to for all my projections. I'm giving you what the what I'm averaging them for the season instead of trying to tell you, oh, well, while Jameson's gone, I project this many yards per reception. And when he gets back, I project this much. That's just, it's too much. So I'm just giving you the, the overall. But for Jameson Williams, obviously, him specifically, we got to look at the games he's gone and the games he's coming back. So when he comes back, it's going to be hard to know because we still haven't seen enough of him if he's going to be a deep threat or if he's going to be more than that. Are they going to use him to open up the offense, go deep, and that's it? That That's going to be his role? Or is he going to be a possession receiver? Are they going to put him in the middle of the field, in the deep field, and that's it? Are they going to throw him slants and screens? Is he going to start taking some of the routes that Amon Ross St. Brown were, were, runs sometimes? We don't know. And there's not really anybody to draw comparison to that Dan Campbell has had in the past because I actually don't I don't remember and I didn't write it down if Dan Campbell was there when they had Brandon Cooks in New Orleans. That was a very long time ago, so I'm assuming he was not. Jamison Williams is far different from anything that Dan Campbell has worked with before. 
especially with his skill set. So it's going to be interesting to see how he tries to use him. I think that we're looking at a similar role to that of his fellow run mate in Alabama, Devonta Smith. Jameson Williams, to me, is probably going to be used very similarly to Devonta Smith in his rookie year. He might go a little bit deep a little bit more often because speed is a calling card for Jameson much more than it is for Devonta. But I'm projecting a 56.5% catch rate for Jameson Williams, 15.5 yards per reception. He's looking at a 11% target share, or we're looking at an 11% target share for the Lions wide receiver two last year. I see more than that for Jamison because he's so much better than their wide receiver two from last year. I'm giving him 16% of the targets when he is back. When he is back, 16% of the targets. Four touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns on the season. He would definitely have more if he was playing the whole season because he is going to be going going deep and catching a lot of nice long balls, which he's going to take some of them to the house. But if we look at my projection for him over the whole season, it would be 88 targets, 50 receptions, 775 yards, and four touchdowns, or sorry, and six touchdowns. But over 11 games, I'm giving him 57 targets, 32 receptions, 501 yards, and four touchdowns. So pretty much, 50 receiving yards a game with a touchdown every three games is pretty much what I have Jameson Williams projected for. And about, you know, three to four catches a game. That's pretty much not somebody you're going to be drafting. At that, at this point, you, you can't really draft Jameson Williams for redraft purposes. You're not going to hold him for that long on your bench, especially because it's, it's not like he's on IR, so you can't put him in an IR spot. You're not going to hold him that long on your bench just to bring him back and him like be a flex wide receiver sometimes and then sometimes not flex him because that's all he's going to be. He's not going to be much better than that in my opinion. Then we look at Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. We're going to talk about these guys together. I'm not going to get into Laporta much because he's a rookie tight end, a rookie tight end, and so I'm not going to project him. Okay, so we're going to talk about these running backs. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are going to be used are I'm telling you they are going to be used like Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram and I'm expecting similar usage it's Dan Campbell runs a strict two-back system that's what the New Orleans Saints did while he was there that's what he's done since he's been in Detroit a third back does not have a role unless somebody gets injured it's a two-back system Kamara's carry percentage and target percentage each year if we look at it in 2019 when Dan Campbell was there Alvin Kamara had 57% of the carries when he was paired with Latavius Murray in 2019. He had 19% of the targets in the whole offense. So 57% of the carries, 19% of the targets. Alvin Kamara in 2018 with Mark Ingram had 53% of the carries, 21.5% of the team targets. I expect similar. Once again, drawing comparisons to the Saints offense. Michael Thomas, Amon Ross St. Brown. Similar roles. Alvin Kamara, Jameer Gibbs, similar roles. David Montgomery, Mark Ingram, similar roles. So I expect this to all be very similar. I'm projecting a 48-52 split for Gibbs and Monty. So what that means is I think Jameer Gibbs is going to take 48% of the carries. Now, remember, I just said Alvin Kamara, he had 57 and 53% of the carries. So it's possible that they give Jameer Gibbs more carries than David Montgomery. I'm going to project slightly less because 
I think with all of the injury history brought upon DeAndre Swift and the investment they had in him and how much they liked him and seeing what happened, I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious with the carries and use him more as the receiver. So I'm thinking they're going to put more carries into David Montgomery. And also, Kamara did get a lot of red zone work uh, instead of Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram would come back, come come and poach him. You know, we all we all had to deal with that. All the Kamara owners would get frustrated sometimes. Ingram would come poach, but Kamara because he's a little bit bigger and he got especially through his career, he got stockier and heavier and stronger. Got some good red zone usage. I think Gibbs will too, but not as much as Kamara. I think it'll go to Monty a little bit more. So that's why I have forty eight percent of the carries for Jameer Gibbs in his rookie year. But he probably becomes 1A next year. So it's like a 1A, 1B situation in terms of the carries. It's not close in receptions, but in terms of the carries, it's like 1A, 1B. I think Monty's 1A in carries this year. I think next year, Jameer Gibbs will take over that 1A spot. So 48% of the 417 carries that I have going to the running backs, minus you know a couple for a third running back, you know, just just give a couple but like I said strict two-back system so not a lot just put a little bit to the side took a little bit out of the the pie for a third running back just because you know somebody's going to get a couple carries here and there that's 199 carries for Jameer Gibbs 48 percent of the 417 carries to between him and Monty that I'm projecting is 199 carries that's 11.7 per game Okay, 11.7 carries per game for Jameer Gibbs now you're going to see that my projection for Jameer Gibbs rivals Bijan Robinson. When we when we get to the numbers, it's going to rival Bijan Robinson because he's going to be catching way more balls, at least I'm projecting, especially if you look at the offenses, it makes sense. He's going to be catching way more balls than Bijan Robinson is. And because we talk about PPR, I think it's possible Jameer Gibbs does better than Bijan Robinson this year in redraft. It in PPR leagues, it's he really might, and we're going to get into why because I'm giving him a pretty soft projection on the carries too. You know, 199 carries, 11.7 per game. He could get 14 a game. He could get 13 a game. And over a 17-game season, that's an extra 50 carries. That's a big deal. That's an extra 200 yards. That's an extra 20 points. That's an extra point and a half per game in fantasy. So point, point and a half per game in fantasy. I'm giving him an 18.5% target share. To go back to Camaro once again, in 2019, Kamara had a 19% target share. In 2018, 21.5% target share. Last year, DeAndre Swift had a very high target share when he was healthy. Jameer Gibbs, I'm giving him an 18.5% target share. That's going to lead to, let me skip down a little bit. That's going to lead to 102 targets. Okay, that's a big deal. And when we're looking at you know, the touchdowns for the team last year. They had 23 rushing touchdowns last year. I expect a little bit more at 25. Monty's likely going to be the goal line guy, so I'm going to give nine rushing touchdowns to Jameer Gibbs. Okay, nine. I'm going to give nine to Gibbs. I'm going to give 11 to Monty. So that's 20 between them, and then you've got five extra rushing touchdowns on the side for other people, whether they try to run a tight end or do like a, a flick, a forward flick from Goff to somebody running past the right behind the line. Um, on like a, a jet sweep or something like that. So, you know, who who knows, but I've got five extra touchdowns on the side. I'm giving nine rushing touchdowns to Gibbs and 11 to Monty. I'm giving Jameer Gibbs a similar catch efficiency as Swift. I don't think they're that different as players. I think Gibbs is just a little bit more twitchy, a little bit more athletic. And 
I'm giving him a slight uptick from receiving touchdowns because he's going to be playing the whole season in our projections. So I'm giving him four receiving touchdowns. That's going to be pretty good. 75% catch rate, eight yards per catch, nothing crazy. And I'm giving him 4.9 yards per carry. Swift had 5.5 yards per carry last year. I'm going to, so me giving Jameer Gibbs 4.9, especially when he's only getting 11.7 carries per game. So, you know, he's always going to be fresh. He could easily be averaging 5.5, five and a half carries or five and a half yards per carry this year. He could average more than that. He might be 5.6, 5.7. So 4.9, that's a, that's a pretty soft projection once again. So I'm giving him a soft projection on the carries at only 11.7 per game, a soft projection on yards per carry at 4.9 when everything says that he's probably going to have better than that. And he's still going to end up being a top 10 running back for me in redraft and very close to Bijan. But the main thing, the reason he was drafted was to be a receiver. So like I said, 18.5% target share is going to be 102 reception, two receptions for Jameer Gibbs. That's or targets. That's 77 receptions. Now you might be saying, 77 receptions? That's too much. For a rookie running back, that's too much. And I come back with this. Saquon Barkley, rookie year, 91 receptions. Alvin Kamara, rookie year, 81 receptions. And remember, Kamara didn't even come in and take over until like week four or five. People were dropping Kamara in his rookie year because he was getting no usage. He was the third running back on the depth chart. And then, boom, Kamara comes on scene, week four, week five. Well, he had 81 receptions. He, he could have had like 90-something receptions easily in his rookie year. Christian McCaffrey, rookie year, 80 receptions. Najee Harris, Jameer Gibbs is much better receiver than Najee Harris. Najee Harris, 74 receptions, rookie year. So 77, is that too much for Jameer Gibbs? No. Let's look at the offense. Who are they throwing the ball to? Amon Ross St. Brown, as much as a beast, he could be the biggest ball hog that you could project in the NFL. He could get the highest target share in the entire NFL, and they still would be throwing the ball to Gibbs a whole bunch. Because who are who else are they throwing the ball to? Jamison Williams is not going to be a guy that you target like Devonta Smith. He's not going to be a guy that you target eight, nine, ten times a game. And he's missing the first game, six same games of the season. They don't have TJ Hawkinson there. Laporta's a rookie tight end. Even if Laporta ends up being Travis Kelsey, that's two things on the offense. Amon Ross St. Brown and a, a super great tight end, which is a ridiculous projection because he's a rookie anyways. So there's nowhere to throw the ball. That De- uh, I almost said DeAndre Swift. Jameer Gibbs is going to get so much receiving work. Trust me, so much receiving work. I'm only giving him 199 carries, not even 200. Less than 1,000 rushing yards, 975 rushing yards. Eight rushing touchdowns, eight or nine rushing touchdowns, and 18.1 points per game. Off of that, off of that, less than 1,000 rushing yards, less than 200 carries, and his 77 receptions, That that's all going to bring him to 18.1 points per game. That's a top eight running back. That is right under my projection for Bijan Robinson, who has 18.3 points per game instead of 18.1 that I have for Gibbs. And like I said, if Gibbs gets more carries, he's not going to get that much less receptions. Like my reception projection for him is not outlandish. If he plays the whole season, I would guarantee you 
that he gets at least 65 receptions. I'm projecting him for 77. He's going to get at minimum 65 receptions if he plays the whole season. Guaranteed. He has the upside to get 90-something receptions, especially when you look at that team. And you have to remember, I'm projecting them to run more than they ever have before with Dan Campbell. If they pass more, that's even a higher availability availability for targets. I don't know why I can't talk today. That's a higher availability for targets. And guess what? Targets are three times as valuable in fantasy. If you break it down, if you break it down, a target is three times as valuable. On average, three three times more fantasy points come from a target than from a carry, just so you know especially when you're receiving running back. So Jameer Gibbs is going to be a beast. Overall, my projection for him is 102 targets, 77 receptions, 614 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns. Actually, I knocked it down from nine. 975 rushing yards and 199 carries. So total, I have just under, just under 1,600 yards for Jameer Gibbs. So he's projected for about 93, 94 total yards not rushing yards total yards per game for the team and because of a lot of it coming through the receiving game he's going to be a beast absolute beast david montgomery i've kind of been talking about him intertwined with gibbs so like i said he's going to be getting a little bit more carries than gibbs a little bit more red zone carries i think or especially maybe not red zone but especially goal line i got 218 carries for monty jamal williams had about 4.3 or 4.5 yards per carry last year. Monty had 4.1 yards per carry last year. I'm putting Monty at 4.3 yards per carry. It's a better situation than Chicago by far, but because he's going to be getting a lot of goal line touches, he's not going to be able to be that efficient because obviously defenses know that's coming and they stop you and you have a bunch of carries for half a yard, half a yard, half a yard. It's going to hurt your yards per carry. That's why you always need context, by the way. 11 rushing touchdowns for David Montgomery. Basic receiving line, that's not really his role. Just 28 targets, 19 receptions, 135 yards for him. And overall, that's going to lead to Montgomery having just under 1,000 rushing yards, 11.7 points per game. He's going to be a good flex running back. So Monty's going to be a good flex running back with a little bit of potential if Jameer Gibbs gets hurt. But if Gibbs gets hurt, they're probably going to bring in another back because, like I said, strict two-back system. With that said, Overall projections for the guys that we care about for the Lions. Goff going for 4350 with his yardage, 27 touchdowns. Very good quarterback too. Amon Ross St. Brown going for 106 receptions off 150 targets basically. And 1,200 receiving yards for 6 touchdowns. Jameson Williams, 32 receptions off 57 targets. 500 receiving yards, 4 touchdowns. David Montgomery has... Just under 1,000 rushing yards for 12 touchdowns total. Jameer Gibbs also 12 touchdowns total for just under 1,600 total yards, 77 receptions, 102 targets. Gibbs, RB1. Monty, in the RB20 range, like 20s, not number 20, like RB20s range, flex appeal. Amano St. Brown, fringe top 12 wide receiver. Jared Goff, fringe top 12 quarterback, better as a QB2. Jamison Williams, Don't bother drafting him. That's the Detroit Lions. Thank you guys for listening in. Have a good one. Until next time.